As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, he's nothing but a low-down, backstabbing, larcenous, perverted worm. And he's in the trade paperback spotlight. We dig into the latest in movies, TV, comics, and what have you, with stops at the Dork Tower, the PlayStation 4, Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. Help us help you help yourselves to the best in pop culture madness with all the major spoilers touches, because the Major Spoilers podcast is heading for Quantum, and it's on the air. Welcome to issue 986 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Captain Stern, the focus of our attention this week. And I've got a lot of things to talk about this, but we'll have to wait till the third segment for that. First up, it is the news, Rodrigo. Dude, dude, dude. Uh, so <laughs> ahead of the San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Dynamite Entertainment announced it is adapting the ba- Bakshi Studios film Fire and Ice into a comic book series. <sighs> yeah. The Fire and Ice comic book series will serve as a prequel and continue the themes and ideas of the original film, which was written by uh, Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas, uh, was released in theaters in 1983, bringing Frank Frazetta's poster for the film to life. As of this announcement, Dynamite has not announced a creative team for the series. Uh, For Tabletop Gamers, Dynamite Entertainment hinted it will release a role-playing game based on the property as well. Which, I mean, makes sense because... It's high fantasy wizards, yeah. half naked yeah. ladies and barbarians type stuff. Bakshi. The Jerry Bakshi. Uh, Conway and Thomas kind of took to social media uh, this week, kind of saying, hey, listen, you guys, uh, your press release talks all about how Bakshi and uh, and Frazetta worked hand in hand on this movie to make it happen. And it's like Frazetta showed up for one meeting with the poster and uh, was more you know, happy. It was Conway and I, Thomas that did all the writing on this film. We're the ones that, that did it. And uh, maybe you might want to, might want to keep that in in mind in your press releases going forward. So uh, do you want (laughs) to keep that, keep that in mind, but what do you, what do you think there, Matthew of a fire and ice comic book? I mean, they've already dynamite already has the red Sonya property. uh, So they've already got a high fantasy book in their, in their uh, wheelhouse. I feel like it could be something good. And I think it was either, I want to say it was IDW, but it may have been Titan that had the Tarna series not so long ago coming out of heavy metal. And that was really solid. I feel like you can do things with this setting and with these characters. 
I do sort of hope that, you know, Roy and Jerry get to be a part of it. I mean, they're both working writers, sort of. But, yeah, I, I, Fire and Ice and then Rock and Rule and that other one whose name escapes me are like the, the, the whole Hobbit. trilogy. The Hobbit? I didn't care for The Hobbit. Uh, I felt uh, like uh, The, the Hobbit King. was a little too rotoscoped for my taste. But, you know, at post-heavy metal, there were like a bunch of these kind of Mm-hmm. animated high fantasy movies that just went kabang, kabang, kabang. And Rock and Rule was better than Fire and Ice, but Fire and Ice was still good. I mean, it's not like it's a terrible it's been a, It's been a while since I saw Fire and Ice, but... Yeah. My brain is like putting it all together because now that you mentioned The Hobbit, I can't not think of The Hobbit. And so I'm like, I'm looking at those rotoscope Pink Nazis elephant. being turned into ring wraiths. And that's wow. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. That is... I will physically fight you. But now, but now you're thinking of pink elephants. Pobre, anyway, pobre pussy. anyway, um, and, uh, go ahead, Rodrigo. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's good times for '80s stuff. Um, I yeah. think the last season of Stranger Things really brought a lot of that stuff back out as well. Um, there's a an anime on Netflix called Bastard, mm-hmm. um, which was. I believe the manga was created in the eighties and it has, and it's all of that, right? It's like guys with big hair, half naked ladies, fantasy Mm -hmm. wizards. Like, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm like, this is, this is done in a modern style, but looks like, yeah, it looks like 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wizards is probably that other movie you're thinking of, uh, Matthew. It came out in 77. So that's also a Bakshi joint. Uh, Sticking with the uh, Dynamite News, Jim Zub, who's done some fantastic work on the Dungeons & Dragons property for IDW Publishing, is turning his attention to Red Sonja in Unbreakable Red Sonja, a new series coming out from Dynamite Entertainment. In the solicitation information for the new series, uh, Dynamite Entertainment described the series as, quote, Red Sonja carries a hazy memory lurking just out of reach. As she seeks to solve the mystery of this strange vision, it will unlock a journey of forbidden magic and searing steel. Moments from Sonya's past, present, and even the future collide in a quest unlike any our scarlet-haired hero has faced before, unquote. Uh, joining Zub on Unbreakable Red Sonya is artist Giovanni Valletta. Uh, the first issue arrives in October of 2022. My understanding is that this is an ongoing uh, comic book series, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, right now, there are a lot of Red Sonya things seem to come and go very quickly. Uh, they'll have like a six or 12 issue Mark Russell uh, Red Sonia series that goes. They have um, uh, the Red Sonia of the multiverse uh, stuff that comes in and out. So if this is Jim Zub doing what he does with Dungeons and Dragons on Red Sonia, I'm kind of down for that. I, I really will check out Unbreakable Red Sonia when it comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Mark Russell has did a fantastic job with Red Sonia. I think Gail Simone did a fantastic job with Red Sonia. And there's some others that I'm sure that that are out there uh, that will that if you said, I would probably say, oh, yes, I enjoyed that run as well. But I think Jim Zub doing Red Sonja is going to be really good. Yeah, I think it's a good match between property and, and creator. That's a really nice pick. Yeah. All right, Matthew, wrap it up for this week. Speaking of really nice picks, Netflix has announced it will be the home of Rob Zombie's take on The Munsters. Uh, the movie, based on the Monsters television show from 1964, is set to debut on this streaming platform this September. So, if you were hoping for a black and white version, like I kind of was, Zombie said that his original intention was to do it in black and white, but now he's seeing it as a super vibrant live-action cartoon 
And I'm like, okay, well, that kind of frightens me. But hey, you could do anything you want to do. The Monster stars Jeff Daniel Phillips as Herman. Sherry Moon Zombie, who I think is uh, Rob Zombie's uh, yeah. daughter or sister or, or wife, hard His to wife. say, as Lily Munster. Uh, Daniel Robach as Grandpa. Richard Blake as Dr. Henry Augustus Wolfgang. And Catherine Schell as Zoya Krupp. Uh, D. Wallace is also in the film, as well as uh, Elvira, Cassandra Peterson, and Jorge Garcia. Um, I'm kind of interested in this simply because I, I sort of enjoyed the not-quite-Munsters revival a couple of years ago where they had uh, Jerry O'Connell. Oh, is, that, is that the one that had the uh, guy from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond as Herman? No, it was Jerry O'Connell as Herman uh, from My Secret Identity and Sliders. And he was playing Herman as kind of a weird, sexy flesh golem. And I'm like, well, okay. And mm-hmm. I feel like that was a Rob Zombie joint as well. For me, you're never you're never going to get past Fred Gwynn. I mean, you're just not going to do it. Fred Gwynn was a, just an amazing performer, but I feel like you can do something new and different. And honestly, if anything's going to fit in Rob Zombie's, you know, put down the the accelerator and crash into a wall and everybody dies in a blinding fireball except for me kind of sensibilities. This would be one of the ones that could do it. I don't know. I saw the trailer for this and I just think that it looks like poo. It looks scary. No, it doesn't look scary at all. It looks dumb. It looks awful. It looks it looks stupid. And I look at this and go, this is not the monster the monsters that I remember watching black and white. This is not the monsters when they the monsters movie where they turn the where they're doing the race car and, and Herman has to blow up the, the tire with his mouth. This is not, you know, this is like I said, this is not even the the monsters with uh everybody loves Raymond uh in it. Uh this is just it didn't look good. And I was just like, if people want to watch this and enjoy it, I, I wish them well and I and I will uh wave goodbye to them on their journey. Um, to to experience this, but have fun storming the castle. This, so this you'll just, stand, you'll yes. you'll hand like somebody will come by and you'll hand them their lunch, and then someone else will come by and you'll give them a kiss on the cheek. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then I'll no, say, "Oh, Peter. enjoy your maiden voyage of the Titanic, everyone. Good luck." And that's and that's the way it'll be because this I don't know this just looks like a disaster, and that's just my opinion, just from the trailer. Uh, you you know, it could be totally different, could be totally brilliant, but. The stuff that I've seen and the stills that I've seen, just for me, I have zero interest in this. Yeah, a show like The Monsters, like the format of The Monsters kind of only exists anymore as a, like, um, two and a half men, like young Sheldon kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you don't see sitcoms like The Monsters anymore. So either you change the format or you try to revive that format. And that seems tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, weird. Anyway, uh, dear listeners, you can join the conversation about these stories and a whole lot more over on our discord server. You can join the major spoilers discord server for free. And we'd love to see you join our growing community of awesome spoilerites. Whether you're jumping in the uh, top five group to talk about your favorite mustard uh, or pickles, or whether you're just going to go in and talk about uh, Brian's awesome roles in our critical hit channel, or even if you want to talk about comic books. I know um, in the uh, in the major spoilers Patreon uh, podcast uh, feed, somebody popped up and was commenting on or maybe it was just the major spoilers uh, channel, the one that's open to everybody 
was talking about me jumping into the um uh the Stephen King uh Tower series and mm-hmm. just was saying don't do it Stephen don't do it it was awful <laughs> Uh, so you can find all that stuff over there in the major spoilers discord server. You can join it for free. Again, there's a link in the show notes and this week it looks like, let me see what gifts are waiting. Everybody on joining, uh, this week looks like we got some, uh, well, still looks like mostly cat gifts. So if you're into the cat gifts, waving at you, Oh, there's a tiger gift. So you can get a tiger gift waving at you this week when you join. So go over there. What are you waiting for? A lot of cool people over there. So, yeah. All right. Let us get into some reviews. Uh, John Kovalik or Kovalik or Kovalik. I forget how to pronounce Kovalik, his last name. Right. I apologize. You know, his art from, uh, Munchkin. If you've ever played that yeah. game, uh, or apples to apples, I think he did the art on that, or he was one of the co-creators of, uh, apples to apples. Doesn't matter. Uh, but for years he has been doing, uh, this webcomic series called dork tower. And the latest volume of that just came out. He asked if I would talk about it, if I would review it. It is uh, Dork Tower used to be released. And I don't know if it still is, but it used to be released as single issues. And uh, in this collection, it has uh, a bunch of single issues. I think issues 33 through 36 are collected in here. These are things that were on the website before. Uh, but after that, probably a good third of the comic is all new material that I think you've only seen on uh, the website before. So it hasn't been collected anywhere else. Uh, mainly this one collects the um, MudCon convention uh, storyline and, and finishes that up. Uh, so for people who are fans of Dork Tower and, and wanted to see how that ended, that is collected in this. Uh, the other thing that I think is uh, is fascinating about this is um, the tower, the, the Tao of Igor is is the kind of theme on this. And so there's a lot of Zen philosophy that one of the characters brings throughout the throughout the series and throughout the little bits, which I think are really nice. And I think they're interesting interpretations of either Lao Tzu or Sun Tzu's uh, uh, philosophies uh, as they're as they're brought forth. And so if you're looking for some web cartoony, you know, just kind of not a lot of stress inducing web comic fare. This is a pleasurable afternoon of of comic reading. In a collected format, it's like 20 bucks for this thing. Um, it's not, I don't think it's out yet. Uh, I couldn't find links anywhere for it. So this may be still a pre-release uh, of this thing. Uh, I see other places that say that it came out in May, but I still can't find links to it. But uh, the Tao of, uh, of Igor, the latest in the uh, Dork Tower series, it's an enjoyable read. I like uh, Kavalik's uh, art. Uh, I think it's I think it's it's charming. It's one of the things that I like the most about the Munchkin game. So seeing that uh, here is is very nice. And if you enjoyed the series, if you enjoy inside humor about comic books, uh, comic book culture, uh, then I think you're going to enjoy this as well. I read this in a PDF format, perhaps reading it in a physical format might flow a little better, although I can't imagine that it's going to flow that much better because this stuff was in web comics before. Um, but there were some times where I was like, oh, I need to see immediately the next page. And then I'm like, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down for it, as opposed to having the pages uh, side by side. So that was probably the only thing that I thought was a little disappointment in the digital version that was sent our way. But, uh, the Tao of Igor, maybe it's out now, maybe it's coming out next month. Check your local comic shop or your local bookstore for it. Uh, go down to your B Dalton's and I'm sure that they can order you up a copy I'm giving this one four slices of meatloaf out of five. So there you go. 
Uh, let's see. Out this week, Matthew, from Image Comics, we have Do a Power Bomb. Number two. Number two. This probably doing a power bomb in college probably would have gotten you in trouble uh, Friday morning going to classes. Yeah, but, I guess it uh, depends on with whom you're doing the power bomb. Well, but usually or, involves a lot of alcohol and people yelling and screaming at you. And then the next morning you're like, please don't yell and scream. No, you're thinking of a Jaeger bomb. Um, a power bomb uh, is when you pick a guy up, flip him older, slam him down on his back, and it looks really terrible, even though it doesn't hurt all that much. Do a Power Bomb is a comic book uh, by Daniel Warren Johnson, also drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. And it's the second issue. I actually reviewed the first issue for the website. And I want you to know, if you read my review of issue one, uh, literally everything that I worried about in issue one, everything that bothered me about issue one is resolved in issue two. And so I say to the world, why can't we have double sized issue ones that give us the stuff? And then I, I, I say, didn't well, I, didn't I say that? Man? Oh, no. My, my thing is uh, not the double sized issue, which I think is fine. But right. they need to cut the uh, first issue price in half to to and that's the thing. This episode picks up where last issue left off. So last issue, we are introduced to our main character, Lona. Lona is the daughter of the world's greatest luchador who died in the ring some years ago. And her father says, no, you can't. You can't go in the ring. That's where your mother died. So at the end of the issue, she gets propositioned by this weird necromancer from another dimension who says, look, come wrestle in my tournament, uh, kind of a Mortal Kombat thing, wrestle to the death, and I will give you your greatest wish. And she's like, my greatest wish is for my mom to come back from the dead. And he says, deal, I'm a necromancer, stupid. Um, and this issue picks up with the important part, the revelation of what really kept bugging me, kept kind of messing in the back of my head throughout issue one, is Lona realizes that he doesn't know that the professional wrestling that he watches on TV from an alternate dimension is pre-scripted. And so she's got an edge, sort of, but also this weird devil guy is totally a mark. And so... Uh, he explains to her that not only can she do this, she's absolutely like a, a major player as long as she gets her tag team partner because it's a tag team tournament. And she's like, nobody wants to work with me. He's like, oh, I know somebody who will. Now, her mother died in the ring wrestling a guy named Cobra Sun. This is an important piece of information. Who do you suppose, Rodrigo, is the suggestion to be her tag team partner in the tournament of the Great Beyond? Cobra Grandson. Cobra Son. He's oh, a monkey. Monkey paw. He's, monkey paw. He's still wrestling. And he's doing he's doing like super hardcore like combat zone wrestling. Yeah. where he's hitting somebody with a chair wrapped in barbed wire and smashing things across his back. And it's a whole Mickey Rourke thing where people are like, hey, I remember you in the ring. You were so much better than this. And Cobra's son is just like, trust me, I'm not. And so, you know, we get this whole buildup to Lona trying to explain to him. And he's like, oh, is this about that whole tournament thing with the Necro guy? Yeah, not interested. But it's, it's so neat to see this because throughout issue one i worried 
about um, what the what the wrestlers call kayfabe, whether you take the things that are in the ring seriously or not, but also the fact that we know uh, the the actual viewing audience knows that when you're watching your Puro Resu, when you're watching your Lucha Libre, you know that this stuff is worked out in advance. You know that they're, you know, barring unforeseen tragedy, you're not going to have these terrible things happening. You're not going to have an evil, you know, Rudo come in and actually break somebody's neck. If it does happen, it's going to be a terrible tragedy and it's going to be a huge deal. And so, and, you know, I say that knowing that it happened like three years ago, but that's another thing. This comic addresses that here and addresses it in a way that's really, really cool. And of course, if you weren't paying too much of attention, uh, Cobra Sun is a masked wrestler. Cobra Sun seems to be a traditional uh, luchador. So we get to the end of the issue and we find out who's under the mask of Cobra Sun. And I got to tell you, I want the next issue now. This is really, really a moment that we're two issues in and they've already redefined the whole thing they've just taken the game and changed everything and i love when a book could do that and i especially love it when you get somebody who's like yeah i'm a i'm i'm a creator i'm going to make this book that clearly means something to me if i have to draw it myself i'm going to do it and i think that's literally what we're looking at here um and i know i've seen daniel warren johnson on stuff before i think I think he did Shark Knife, but I may be wrong. But I'm going to be watching for the name from now on because this book and issue one together are literally just a perfect entry to this series. And had it been all issue one, we would have five slices of meatloaf across the board. As it is, I don't remember what I gave issue one, but issue two is definitely five slices of meatloaf. Do a powerbomb number two is good stuff. You don't have to be a Lucha Libre fan, a wrestling fan. You don't have to be, you know, me and Rodrigo to get this. But if you are, there's some little extra bits in there for you. And if you're not, it gives you everything you need. Excellent, excellent book, you guys. I wish we had more Lucha Libre stuff uh, in Kansas. There's really not a lot because I would be at that stuff all the time. Right. And, you know, part of it is Kansas is really hot. And you put a mask on your face eh, and you just pass out. Eh. I mean, you know, Mexico is really hot and they also wear uh masks down there all the time. Yeah, but no shirts. Yeah, <laughs> you can wear no in, shirts. You can wear no shirts in Kansas as well. Uh, everyone, Ward, everyone in Mexico is wearing their wrestling mask at all times. And the yes. only example are people like poor Rodrigo who actually lost the Lucha de Puesta. Oh, that's what happens when yeah. you lose. Yeah. You and you know lose the mask. Rodrigo can no longer use his his secret wrestling identity of uh, super mayonnaise because he lost his mask to Hellman's, and that's why he has that terrible grudge. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, Murder Falcon, Extremity, mm-hmm. Space Mullet, mm-hmm. the Jurassic League, uh, also Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. Jurassic is League what, is good too. That that's is the what Justice he is, League uh, as, as dinosaurs. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. So that's where you know uh, his name. All right, Rodrigo, wrap up our uh, reviews for us, please. All right, so I'm looking at uh, Bloodborne Lady of Lanterns number one, um, a book that answers the question, does 
Cullen Bunn ever stop working? And the answer is no, definitely not. Here's a here's a Bloodborne book on top of everything else that he's yeah. doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is good. It's good because I like Colin Bunn. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Bloodborne, Bloodborne is a video game in which uh, they kind of take the playstyle of um, Dark Souls. It's by the same company as Dark Souls, I believe. And instead of having it in a medieval time, they sort of do it in a uh like european like i don't know like late dark ages kind of stuff so instead of like knights and stuff it's like guys with like um or yeah really more of like a victorian uh look to it and also it's very uh cosmic horrory instead mm-hmm. of so instead of like demons and stuff like that it's you know as you play the game it gets more and more wrapped up with like cosmic horror type stuff. So, um lots of stories to tell in that universe. Uh this one is interesting. Uh right now we are following a hunter. These are people that are able to see and stand up to the horrors because they are uh, I believe all of them are infused with some of the horror. Just classic Classic stuff, right? In order to fight the monsters, you kind of need to be at least a little bit the monster. Um, so we're introduced to this family, which is trying to survive in this creepy world. And they don't do a very good job of it. But now um, the hunter is having to um, sort of care for uh, the one of the children of the family because... Um, they you know they've just crossed paths and bad things have happened so it's uh an old old grizzled guy has to protect baby like what like it's mm-hmm. it's it you know it writes itself mm-hmm. um but it doesn't write itself uh and it also doesn't draw itself uh Piotr Kowalski um is the artist on this and does an excellent job right because the dark souls uh or sorry the bloodborne stuff looks so it's like such a specific look. It's like creepy, but like again, sort of like mutant creepy. But it mm-hmm. also has to stay Victorian, so mm-hmm. it's 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 a very kind of like very specific place to land. And uh, Kowalski does a good job of it. Um, uh, there's also kind of like a, like a like a density, like a uh, like a I don't know, like a like a grittiness. It's like people use the word gritty too often, but I mean like actual grit to the world. And uh, I, I, I very much appreciate that. Um, all around, I'd give it four slices of meatloaf. It's, you know, it's creepy. It's doing what you want out of a out of a Bloodborne title. Um, and it sets you up to to pick up the next one, which I, I would be interested in doing, certainly. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, dear listeners, if you want more reviews, you can find them over at Majorspoilers.com or right here on this podcast. And uh, get a special shout out this week to uh, Kirsten Click, who is our newest boss. Uh, Kirsten became our newest uh, patron over at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. If you'd like to get your name shouted out on the show, we certainly will be happy to do that. All you got to do is join us over on our Patreon page, Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. 
There you go. That's it. That's all you got to do. Head over to Patreon page this week on the uh, pre-show. Uh, man, we were talking about a lot of stuff. We talked about better off dead. We talked about, uh, uh, video games, video games, pyre, uh, what Rodrigo's playing. If you want to hear that, it's like over 30 minutes of extra show that you get when you sign up the silver level membership, five bucks a month. It's like a buck an episode or with the pre-show, it's like 50 cents an episode because the pre-show is almost now as long as the regular show. <laughs> 50 cents a pop right there when you sign up at patreon.com slash major spoilers value for value. We appreciate everyone who is contributing. And if you can't contribute because of, you know, economy around the world, not just in the United States, we totally understand. But if you can kicking us a few bucks uh, our way helps us pay everybody and keeps this show on the air or in your ears or wherever it may be. Or up your nose. Well, I wouldn't say up your nose because that's where rubber hoses go. Uh, But But uh, maybe it will take us all the way out into outer space as we talk about the one, the only, Captain Stern. Stern. With two ends, Captain Stern. Okay, here's the weird thing. Uh, I I went, if you go to the wiki page for Captain Stern, Mm -hmm. right, it will say, here are all of the Captain Stern uh, appearances in comic books, right? It lists like, Mm -hmm. Uh, four comics, right? It lists Heavy Metal, uh, mm. Volume 4, Number 3, okay. Dead Star, Number 6, which is like a really short Dread story. Star. Uh, Dread Star, sorry. Amazing mm. Heroes, 194, then Captain Stern, Running Out of Time, uh, Issues 1 through 3, which or 5, which was a uh, series in the in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, the Amazing Heroes, 194. Mm-hmm. He only appeared mm-hmm. on the cover. Of Amazing Heroes yes. 194. So I, I, I'm wondering, Rodrigo, if I tripped you up because the, the assignment was because in Dread Stars, you've got the Dread Stars comic. Then you got the Captain Stern, right. like a backup story in that. And I specifically said, everybody, only read the Captain Stern stuff. Don't worry about the other things. And I wonder if when you got to that Amazing Heroes one, if you're like, I flipped through all 80 pages of this uh, trade comic thing and I didn't see uh, Captain Stern anywhere but on the cover. What's going on? I- that 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 was exactly what happened except instead of what's going on i was like oh well and i moved on to the other thing because there's a lot of <laughs> captain stern to read yeah there i mean right. there is there isn't so we've got the captain yeah. stern running out of time which is kind of like our main story we do mm-hmm. have his very first appearance from um uh from uh, heavy, metal. It, heavy metal right uh mm-hmm. the one that's bernie Wrights and stuff but yeah. he had three appearances in, in heavy metal heavy metal magazine which uh, I didn't I wasn't able to get all of them. So there's volume four, number three, which is the one that we read uh, volume mm-hmm. five, number eight, which came out in 81 and then volume 20, number one in 96. Uh, yep. I don't know if those are original stories, or if those are reprints, but I could got the first one. I figured that was enough. Then there was something called uh, Zona 84, two mm-hmm. appearances there. I don't know if that was a uh, Italian language. Uh, the Zona 84 stuff is the same stuff from heavy metal. Ah, OK, so it's just a reprint there. And then there was a heavy metal special, which I think is a reprint. And so when we look at it, we have basically read all of the Captain Stern, except for maybe two short pieces, all of the Captain Stern stuff that has ever been published. Mm -hmm. The only reason I can think that Captain Stern was so popular Mm -hmm. is because of the heavy metal movie, because there is a great uh, bit. That's probably my favorite sequence of all of it. I mean, a lot of heavy metal is really, really good, but I always enjoy whenever the Captain Stern's uh, segment comes up, uh, which I think adapts just his first appearance in Heavy Metal Magazine, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've read Heavy Metal. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I think everybody bases their knowledge on Captain Stern from that movie, which is how we got to running out of time in that mm-hmm. uh, that five issue miniseries in the mid 90s. Am I mistaken yeah. on that, uh, Matthew? No, you are exactly right. That first appearance in heavy metal, what is it? Four, Vol- volume, volume four, four. Number three. Yeah. Like, so it is literally what gets adapted uh, for the film heavy metal. And then I don't think he really does anything. And you got to keep in mind, heavy metal came out in 81. When the Captain Stern book came out, I was in college. It was yeah. like 1994. Mm-hmm. And I remember buying that book off the stand solely because of my love of that segment and of course the really cool music. Um, But you get to a point where the reason he exists is because that is probably the second most successful segment of the whole movie. It's, it's a cult classic film. That's the second most successful film chunk of that. And when you actually sit and read Bernie Wrightson's uh, version of it, first of all, Every single beat is there. Mm-hmm. No, it's like a it, when we talk about adaptations of stuff, a lot of times things are loosely adapted. Some things are super, super faithful. But a lot of times you see a lot of a lot of changes yeah. going on. And this is when we talk about an adaptation. I think from this first story to the movie is just straight up. Yeah. The only thing that really changes is there's some additional dialogue uh, especially when uh, Hanover is chasing him through the halls. And of course the movie ending adds an additional cruel twist to that last panel Yeah, uh, where Hanover is standing there. It's nothing boss. And then uh, Stern opens up thing and dr- dumps him into space to burn yeah. to death. Yeah. So, you know, but oh, man, I, even as frustrating as this is, I love this. What do you mean? It's I frustrating. Remember- when the when the book came out, when the Captain Stern running out of time series yes. came out. And I was looking because I was trying to see when the re-release of Heavy Metal was uh, when it first came out on VHS, because I want to say that um, that is the reason why we ended up with that. That miniseries is because it was kind of a re-release. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, there was a 10th anniversary release. Maybe that's 91. what it was. And that was 96. Uh, the comic uh the so, running out of time okay. series i think started in 94 yeah so um here's what i'm looking at in home media 83 heavy metal mm-hmm. aired on hbo that's the version mm-hmm. that i saw is the 83 version but then right. it re-aired again in 91 on hbo so that's what i'm thinking prompted the, yeah, the 10th anniversary kick yeah and i think that's what's prompted the uh running out of time series because then it arrived on vhs and laserdisc in 96 yes and that actually has additional stuff, but none of it is mm-hmm. Captain Sturd related. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the I think that for me, the most frustrating part is that I liked that sequence so much. And I came into this thinking, oh, well, maybe we'll get some more because there's there's stuff that you had picked here that I had mm-hmm. never read. Mm-hmm. But not not really so much. Um, and, you know, running out of time is is interesting and it has a great hook. But when it comes right down to it, you get kind of the Slarta Bartfast problem, um, but, which is uh, Douglas Adams, when he was writing the third Hitchhiker's book. Uh, what was the third one? Restaurant so at the end of the, the not uh, 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 Life of the Universe and everything. Right. When he was writing that third book, he was adapting a Doctor Who script. 
And he realized he didn't have a character who could be the hero. So he had to take Slarty Bart fast and kind of shoehorn him yep, into the yep. role of the doctor. And it never really fit. And when we get into the running out of time series, we do have this point where Stern is our point of view character. And we kind of want to feel like, yeah, Captain Stern and Hanover Fist and Beezer, these are our guys, right? But they're awful. I mean, yeah, they're truly, and that's truly, yeah, no, they're, they're all re- reprehensible people. Yeah, no, and that's, that's what I was going to ask Rodrigo, because before we get really a whole lot further, there may be people going, what the heck is a Captain Stern? So, Rodrigo, please, for the uninitiated, please uh, describe to us, because I'm going to make a partial guess that this is your first encounter with Captain Stern. Describe I mean, I've Captain seen, Stern I've seen us. heavy metal. Oh, okay. All right. But, but yeah, uh, so Captain Stern is a... Very much a square-jawed, um, kind of military-looking guy. He, you know, wears a cape. Um, definitely, does? definitely gives some uh, Superman vibes with his uh, spit curl. Um, and he is an incredibly terrible person. The very first thing that happens in Captain Stern is they read off his list of crimes, and they vary from like very mild to extremely awful and one moving violation right um and i one suspects is because this was going to be it for captain stern um and so everything in that first story kind of exists for the sake of that first story right um mm-hmm. you don't know what what Hanover Fist deal is you don't know what captain stern's deal is you find out over the course of the story and then that's it um, and then, uh, we jump to running out of time, which is a story in which sort of, I guess, lovable rascal Captain Stern, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, you know, cheats and, and, and hoodwinks his way through an adventure involving dinosaurs and the, the evil owners of a, uh, of a soda empire, um, zombies, uh, zombie dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and you know, lots of lots of space travel and space motorcycles and cool stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because you know Stern starts out as just this horrible, horrible person. How he got the rank of captain and you know everything is just beyond belief in his oh, first appearance. It's, it's clearly self. Oh no, it's yeah, it's it's certainly you know the joke, right? But when you get into the Dreadstar, which is kind of the middle story of everything, then you really understand that he'll do whatever it takes just as long as there's profit and profit for him, you know, something in it for yeah. him. And I think that that is then capitalized when you get into running out of time where it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, what can I do? And I'll be honest, uh, running out of time for me, I read like last time I read it was six months ago. So I, it's been a while. So everything's kind of hazy for me on on the uh, running out of time stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just... It's fascinating because heavy metal, he just starts out as the worst of the worst and there's no way you should like him. But then by the mm-hmm. time you get to uh, to uh, running out of time, it's like they've softened his edges. He's still not a likable yeah. person, but it's like mm-hmm. he's a lot more likable than he was in his first appearance. And I find that yeah. I find that immensely fascinating because this is a guy that. I mean, in today's political climate, he would be certainly a hero to certain groups, but um but they make him this lovable doofus as yeah. opposed to this guy. That's just like, 
the entirely worst of the reprehensible. Worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think to some degree that's, uh, you know, to drop another name, that's the Han Solo problem. Um, <laughs> if you, you look at, like, in the beginning of A New Hope, Han Solo shoots a man dead, goes on the run because he owes money, and, you know, plans to cheat and or, you know, somehow trick this space wizard into paying him too much for an Mm -hmm. easy pass. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you get to that third movie, he has to be a stand-up guy. He has to be, you know, he has to sit and smile at the teddy bear's picnic. And it really feels, and Harrison Ford felt that it was like a, kind of a problem it's Mm -hmm. not an understandable character moment and uh george lucas thought it was a problem because he rewrote that shooting scene yep and you get you do get to that moment where this is kind of the equivalent of oh well han didn't shoot first anymore because that makes him a little too nasty stern's not an evil guy it's just that you know he's the kind of guy who'll travel back in time to find an addictive substance to sell to the people who want to put it in a soda yeah i mean he's you know uh, he's very much uh in it for him yes i would i yes i would say that you both are correct that han solo and captain stern are both cut from the same mold but one is definitely more reprehensible than the other definitely scummier i mean captain stern is scum in, in in my opinion and I and I oh. don't know if that's and I I'm uh, Matthew's heard me uh, rant on about don't don't celebrate the villains, um, mm. but he is a for whatever it is a somewhat likable scummy person. I I mean, sure. is he a villain? I mean, I I is he a villain? Let me ask you that. Is Captain a Stern rogue. a villain? He's a rogue, yes, but is he a villain? <sighs> is he the no. bad guy? Yeah. He's he's the bad guy in the same way that Robin Hood or Lupin the Third is the bad guy in that they're doing the illegal things that drive the plot. But, you know, Stern, I think, doesn't have the same sort of excuse that like a Robin Hood does. He doesn't have the brains. Well, no, he's yeah, he's a big, dumb idiot. But he's he's like the character where. If, say, he was the guy and we were like watching a Flash Gordon story and Stern showed up and, you know, did all these horrible things, you'd be like, oh, villain, absolute villain. Huh. But when you center the story on Stern, there's something about it that becomes, at the very least, anti-hero. Because throughout, throughout that five issue series, he is dealing with you know, the evil Fillmore coffers. <laughs> Sorry, I love a dumb pun. Who is even more evil? Who's evil? I mean, Stern is is bad. No, he's bad. But, you know, the yeah, terrible, the evil, the but, evil corporate overlord guy is is evil. He's he's the worst. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's horrific. I, well, Rodrigo, what about you? Is is Captain Stern evil? Is is he the bad guy? I mean, he's not the bad guy of this story. Um, is he is a he, bad guy? I mean, he's a bad guy, but it really depends, right? It's like, that's that's why a lot of time we talk about protagonists and antagonists, right? He's certainly the protagonist of the story, but mm-hmm. if you if you do a moral judgment on it, then he's not a good guy, mm-hmm. unless what you mean by good guys and bad guys is the people you cheer for and the people you cheer against, and in which case... He is the good guy of the story, but really he's just the protagonist of the story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, 
Uh, I you said something a moment ago, Matthew, about um, he's the roguish character. He's like the Han Solo character. He's the anti-hero mm-hmm. character, but he's not evil. And I kind of mm-hmm. get that. I kind of get that vibe with him is that he's not I don't consider him evil. I think that he's just uh, self-centered and it's all about him and how he can, you know, uh, gain advantage from a situation, whether that be monetary gain or some kind of property gain in the case where he takes uh, uh, the planet's giant statue and turns it into a spaceship so he can fly away. Um, Mm -hmm. He is a very unlikable character, in my opinion. And the only reason why I can, you know, continue to read through uh, the time series, the time travel series is because I wanted to see how he was going to get out of it and still come out on top, even though he's going to hurt a lot of other people in the process, which is a horrible thing to do. Right. It's a horrible thing to say, well, I kind of want this guy to win, even though he's going to hurt physically, mentally, financially, whatever, all of these other people in the process. Right. And it's, it's kind of a a magical trick. It's a kind of alchemy where, you know, you specifically, and to a lesser degree, I think Rodrigo and I both don't like stories where we're like, oh, look at this. The Joker has hidden depths or Lex Luthor is really a good guy if you don't tick him off and be invulnerable. Right. But somehow Bernie Wrightson can make this utter scumbag into somebody that you kind of cheer for. And I feel like it's, I think that's the biggest takeaway here is that it's not an absolute. It's a story that none of us should like. And yet I find myself really loving parts of it. And, you know, and I start by saying in this episode, I really loved it. And then I, you know, we've also been savaging things and going, this is, you know, the terrible, horrible awfulness. And this is the thing that was disappointing. And this, I didn't like, and I still walk away from this kind of going, you know, I, I, I feel like at the end of this story, when Stern sort of pulls off a win and Hanover sort of doesn't die and how, you know, now we have, lots of zombies orbiting the earth because why not you do have that moment of you, you kind of have to think can a bad guy be a fun protagonist and the answer is yes can a terrible person be the star of a good series and not make you feel like you need a shower afterwards mostly yeah sure. i was gonna say i'm not so sure about that that second one definitely on the first I, I one said you said. mostly yeah but definitely on the second <laughs> one i'd be like no he's pretty scummy he's still pretty scummy um yeah yeah so the other thing is everything that we get to see or everything that we looked at and i think actually everything that is original not fan art stuff of of captain stern is all bernie wrightson the writing and the art including i think he wrote and did the the work on um on running out of time. Yeah. Uh, so we get to see Bernie Wrightson evolve from early days of 1980 all the way to the mid nineties, uh, 94, 95 in this kind of thing. And I like that his style remains uh, consistent. Uh, you see it improve here and there. You see different printing styles and different coloring styles appear that uh, I think give a different perspective to his stuff. But I've always been amazed at, the detail that Wrightson puts into, uh, in, into his, into his work. Uh, yes. I, I, I like, you know, the first appearance you look at this and you're like, Oh, this is, 
this is Bernie Rison who's doing this. This is this is stuff that is you know scary House of Secrets type stuff. This is uh, what did he do? He didn't do Swamp Thing, did he? Did he do Swamp Thing? Yeah, he he invented Swamp. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. All of his Swamp Thing stuff. You see this, and it's just like, oh, this is amazing stuff that you get to see, and then you get to see a character who is yes, likable to a point. Uh, and I just I love the art, the story, the character. Maybe not so much, but the art in this. Just so fantastic, Rodrigo. What do you yeah. what do you think of the the great Bernie Wrightson and his take on uh, on Captain Stern? Yeah, it it looks really good. The it's it's sort of a it's a style that um you know ha- has kind of like a a slight cartooniness to it, mm-hmm. but also feels like grounded. Right, things look like they have weight. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, the detail is just. Like at any given page, you can just stop and look at stuff and like look at all the panels and the consoles on of a ship. Um, look at all the like vials and stuff mm-hmm. uh, behind the characters in a lab. Um, and then, yeah, just the I don't know if uh, all of these characters were designed by him, but um, I'm pretty sure the they character were, design. Is, yeah. Yeah. The character yeah, design is also so. very like it has that kind of. Uh, that that Matt Grinning philosophy, right? Of like uh, unique silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can really tell kind of what each character's deal is uh, by the way they look, except possibly from you know Captain Stern, who is kind of meant to be a um a, a like a, a a joke or or a parody of like that that square jawed yeah uh, like protagonist character. Yeah, if you're talking mm-hmm. about Futurama, he is. Um... Uh, he's like Brannigan. If we're looking at, uh, Howard Chaikin, if you look at Howard Chaikin's art, I would argue that Howard Chaikin stole the idea of, uh, his take (laughs) on flag from Bernie Wrightson's, uh, Captain Stern, because the same square jawed spit curl heroic pose kind of stuff you see in, uh, Chaikin's art is what, what we see in Wrightson's Captain Stern. So I, I mean, that's just something that I always have to, when I, when I said, Oh, we should do something with captain Stern. I don't know how that popped into my head this year. Uh, but I always, again, it'd been like probably 20 years since I'd done anything with Stern. Uh, I look at the art and I was like, Oh, that's Howard Chaikin. And then I gotta go, no, that's, that's not because you loved reading American flag. And now you have to realize that it's Bernie Wrightson who you loved. And I, I think the reason that I like creepy and eerie comics is because of the mm-hmm. work that Wrightson did with them, or at least the, the best stories I think that he did. Um, in creepy and eerie were rights and stuff. So yeah, his, his artwork is just fantastic at times. I will say as a criticism at times Mm -hmm. in the, um, in the running out of time series, I think for the nature of the story, his art may be too detailed at times. Mm -hmm. Some of the, some of the situations need to be a little bit more cartoony and his art is still too, uh, hyper-realistic almost. Mm. And I, I would say that would be the only criticism that I would say that I was like, oh, this this scene needs to be a little bit more cartoony and you're drawing it a little bit too straight. Uh, still, though, it's really fantastic uh, artwork. Yeah. yeah. I guess at the end of the day. I really don't think that there's a reason for anybody to try to track down uh, <laughs> Captain Stern stuff. Certainly, if you want to read Running Out of Time, you can. I don't think it's that fantastic of a story, to be honest. Uh, when you get down to it, I think the first appearance, Heavy Metal, Volume 4, Number 3 from 1980, called Captain Stern, 
I think that that is really the only Captain Stern that you need to read to understand everything about Captain Stern and to appreciate what Bernie Wrightson brought to this time period of comics, especially heavy metal comic. Um, but I really don't think that there is anything that is outstanding about the character or the stories that evolve the character or take the character any place beyond that first appearance. Uh, a lot of times it just seems more of the same. Maybe the, the dread star stuff, uh, kind of added to a little bit of his character, but it's not adding anything super new to what we saw in his first appearance. Uh, so if you can find that heavy metal issue and I'm sure you can online, uh, go ahead and, and grab it and check it out. But I don't, I really don't think that it is worth the time that it will take to find running out of time or any of the other stuff. Um, I, I think the, the enjoyment versus the time required to track these issues down is not, is not worth it. Uh, you'll spend too much time and the enjoyment will not be uh, greater than the time you spent searching for it. So for me, Captain Stern, fun character, definitely a, an interesting character to look at. Definitely an, an interesting thing to see that specifically, I think because of the heavy metal movie, Captain Stern has a higher place in pop culture consciousness than he ought to, I guess is how I want to want to uh, approach it. Um, anytime you can see Bernie Wrightson art, it's fantastic, but you can see Bernie Wrightson art in so many other places. I don't think Captain Stern is the place for it. That being said, I still enjoyed going back and taking a look at, at this crazy bastard. So there you go. Uh, Rodrigo, what, what are your kind of overall thoughts now that you've, taking a peek under the covers of, of Captain Stern. Um, it's, I mean, it's an interesting thing, but it very much feels like something where it's like, well, now I want to tell the story and people want to, A, I want to tell the story. B, people want more Captain Stern. So let's smush that together. And it works if you actually haven't read the previous Captain Stern stuff yeah. because you need a character who's like a little bit less of a bastard, right? Oh, yeah. Do you wonder? I, I wonder then what you're saying is this was a one hit kind of one off kind of thing. Hey, uh, Bernie, one want to hire you to do this story for heavy metal. Sure, I'll do it. Here it is. This idea of Captain Stern. Boom, 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 boom. There it is. Uh, wow, this took off better than we thought it would. Do more. And it's like, well, he's kind of one dimensional one shot. I mean. I mean, it is a it is a tale as old as time, right? It's like, um, oh, hey, okay. yeah, hey, uh, this funny, uh, jokey, like Conan joke Ardvark character, sure is cool. Can we see more of him? Right? Um, yeah. Hey, you know those like weird yellow people in the Tracy Ullman show? Like, can we see more of them? And it's like, you look at. It's like nowadays, Homer rarely throttles Bart anymore because it was really funny when it was like a one-time or two-time thing, um, but eventually it became a problem, right? Like, uh, like a lot of stuff is a one-and-done thing or maybe a short arc, and then when they want to expand it, they need to, like, the universe can't hold it, right? It, there's not yeah. enough support, so you need to add supports under it. And, you know, those are retcons, and they feel like retcons a lot of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so going from, you know, the first appearance of Captain Stern, absolute incorrigible bastard, to, you know, protagonist, like, cares about people, has a group of friends that he would actually risk his life for, um, or, or, or at least a villain that he would risk his life to defeat, 
um, it's you know you're you're looking at a different character, mm-hmm. and whereas Han Solo gets three movies to take you from one to the other, this thing happens like before the start of like the actual arc, right? Like Captain Stern kind of has to already be a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just doesn't, from that standpoint, doesn't feel as good. But again, all you have to do is, I guess, ignore the the heavy metal appearances. And then this Captain Stern works just fine. Mm. There's some fun stuff in here, some uh, anti-capitalist stuff in here, some like some interesting time paradox stuff, some interesting um, like uh, what I want to say, like, just like some interesting character reactions, right? It's like the 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 villains like hench person falling in love with one of captain stern's like pals and and having a, a change of heart over that like that stuff is classic but again is it worth is it worth tracking down and the answer is you know only if you really really want to see um some uh, cool dinosaurs so i guess for yeah. me that might be a yeah so because the dinosaurs actually do look really good in this. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, so again, let me let me see because you said something. I want to pull it out because I think it's your b- best pull quote from this episode. If you want to mm-hmm. read Captain Stern, skip everything before running out of time. Yeah, and only read running out of time. Yeah, if you want okay. to, if you want this story to be cohesive, then just read running out of time and nothing else. And if you want, do you think if you if you only read running out of time, you'll like the character a lot better? I think so, and the okay. characters make make more sense, and his relationship with Hanover uh, makes more sense. Like it doesn't seem as as different as, or, or it doesn't seem as uh, mercenary as as it is in the mm-hmm. in the heavy metal stuff. Yeah. Okay, Matthew, what are your what are your thoughts on on Captain Stern? Now that we've got a a broad overview of of his uh, his his work, his appearances as an old nerd. Um... There's a thing that I used to do. I would try and find a character that I could collect all the appearances of, have them all, and go, ha-ha, I have a complete appearance of the appearances of the 3D man. I have a complete collection. All of this character's existence is in this little short box over here. And so if that appeals to you, Captain Stern is a great place to start, especially in that you can see... Captain Stern running about, voiced by Eugene Levy, doing something for 15 minutes in the middle of a fair to Midland, pretty solid, okay movie. If you have no real touch point for Captain Stern, there's no reason to read this. This is like a licensed comic book. This is like, you know, Topps' X-Men comic backer, not X-Men, excuse me, X-Files, uh, a comic, back in 1996. If you don't already love the X-Files, not only are you not going to look for this, it's not going to do anything for you. Um, if you just want to see, uh, really see Bernie Wrightson going nuts, this is a great sort of thing to look for. This is a great series and or short story and or issue of Heavy Metal and or backstory in an issue of Dreadstar, which means that technically in an extended sense, it all takes place in the Marvel Universe. But here's what here's what it's really going to break down to you. If you're a Generation X out there, if you're a kid who they gave you a key when you were five years old and told you not to burn the house down after school until your parents got home and you wandered around and then that cool thing called HBO showed up and you saw this movie and you went, oh, my God, this is transcendent. 
you'll want to check this out. If not, I think it's really going to be kind of a catch-as-catch-can. Look at it, see if it annoys you. If nothing else, look at the pretty pictures. Uh, I would like to make two small corrections, both on my part. Uh, one, I know that Len Wein helped Bernie create Swamp Thing, so no mean letters. And two, uh, I think Cody Starbuck, who is the same character that Howard Chaikin keeps writing, the curly-haired uh, swashbuckler jerk, came out back in 74, predating Stern 77. Uh, but that, neither here nor there. This is one that I will cautiously recommend to the right sort of nerds, and I will probably vociferously wave other people away to, you know, more appropriate things. So Rodrigo, Rodrigo's thing, Matthew, was running out of time. Just read that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would disagree. Uh, simply because the the best story is the first story. However, that's I mean, I don't my know argument, if any of this is collected. Oh, uh, no, 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 it's not. Uh, I think that Captain Stern is collected in a trade. I know I have all the single issues in a long box somewhere. Oh, everybody um, does. I do. You do. Tom does. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not really sure, because, again, this came out of, I think, Kitchen Sink Press when uh, mm-hmm. when it arrived um, running out of time one through five Kitchen Sink Press. While it was great in doing a lot of the Will Eisner stuff and doing Cadillacs and dinosaurs, wasn't a big shelf item in comic book shops, especially smaller comic book shops, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not sure that a whole lot of people would have seen Captain Stern in 94, 95 or 93, 94, whenever the, the series ran for people to say, oh, I know Captain Stern. I'm going to pick up and read this. I knew Captain Stern when it came out because I had seen the heavy metal movie and was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that guy. Yeah, this looks kind of fun. I'll pick it up and read it. And I think by issue three, I'd kind of checked out and was like, well, I'll pick up the last two just because I'm a completist. Um, Having read all of this stuff. I think I would say just read the first appearance in heavy metal and then don't read anything else. If you were, if you were say that. If you were going, I, I mean, if I, I mean, if Rodrigo is running out of time, I'm going the mm-hmm. whole total flip side and saying, no, just read the first appearance. And, and that's all you mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. You're both wrong. Um, <laughs> as a, as a completist, you should read it all. I mean, it's uh, only going to take you that it'll, it'll literally take you three hours to read everything. Yeah. And I always say that, I mean, here's the thing. Um, my grandfather used to say something and I use pizza in the phrase because stop touching um, yourself there. You're. No, he used to say, get out of my way, you idiot. I'm trying to watch wrestling. No. Um, He also used to say, what the hell is wrong with you? The thing that I remember is even the worst pizza is still good pizza. So even if you're going out and you're getting Captain Stern, you're like, this is some pretty bad pizza. It's still pizza. I mean, that's a thought. I mean, that is a thought. I mean, if you you definitely are going to check out, again, if you're going down the list and saying, oh, I need to get everything. Don't get the amazing yeah. heroes thing unless you have to get the cover image. Cause no, get again, that is the story in there about TV's Michael Gray. It, it does. It does have Captain a whole thing Marvel's about friend, Billy Batson. It is definitely a Shazam centric. Uh, so, uh, you put a heroes, you put a hero at amazing heroes in front of me. I'm going to sit. I'm I enjoy, you know, amazing heroes was the major spoilers of comic books before websites came along. I enjoyed reading Amazing Heroes nonstop as a young adult uh, when I got access to that stuff. It was not something that was easy to find because my shop in Topeka at the time 
felt like it got it quarterly for whatever reason. So I know I was missing huge chunks of it. But then when I moved to Atlanta, it was like, yes, every time a new issue comes out, I'm getting a copy of it. And I read great interviews, great excerpts of stuff. It was it was a good a good series. But Captain Stern's only on the cover of that. So I'm not sure that that is something you have to have uh, for Mm. that. Um, So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Captain Stern, everybody, what do you think? Head over to our Major Spoilers Patreon page. Uh, share your thoughts on Captain Stern. If you have any thoughts on Captain Stern, I have a feeling that there are more people that are not aware of Captain Stern than are are aware of Captain Stern in our listening audience this week. Yeah, that's my guess. You say yes, Rodrigo. A heavy. So again, the the main way I think in which most people found Captain Stern was through the heavy metal movie mm-hmm. or heavy metal magazine, and mm-hmm. you know, heavy metal magazine doesn't reprint its stories from, you know, however many yeah, years ago often, very often. Um, it does, I think, sometimes. And also, there there haven't been any new heavy metal movies. Um, and, they like, the heavy happen. metal movie is not huge in the zeitgeist right now. It might become yeah. so, because, again, there's, like, this... Uh, it, it's like, we've had an, a, a slow 80s revival for about 10 years now maybe more um and we started with like the obvious ones they were doing ghostbusters riffs they were doing um uh, kids in like roller skates and stuff like that and now we're getting to stuff where people are like yeah we want frazetta stuff we want um heavy metal stuff we want um i don't know some other like more obscure grittier 80s stuff yeah. Than than like the 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 stuff that Gen X remembers from when they were kids. Mm-hmm. Like they want, like the stuff that they is like now that now that all the, all that has like run its course. Gen X and you know old millennials want the stuff from where they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. So that's all this stuff is like when you first discovered your first heavy metal magazine and you were like, wow, the, the, that lady. Yeah, you, you can see her shaboom booms. Um, it's like that's that's kind of the 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 stuff that people want to watch. Again, if you look at Netflix, both with Stranger Things and with Bastard, that's mm-hmm. kind of where we seem to be going with like uh, Fire and Ice coming back, so so on and so forth. Yeah, I would say so. There was Heavy Metal, then there was Heavy Metal Two Thousand, which I think was a flop. Uh, that is, didn't is, happen. It, yeah, a lot of people wish it wouldn't happen. I I could see them trying to do a Heavy Metal Twenty Twenty Five kind of movie but it's called love death and robots that's what i was going to say i was going to say the closest thing we have to heavy metal right now is love death and robots on netflix and if you're not watching that stuff you are missing out on some great adult and i'm by adult i don't mean boom chicka wow wow stuff uh i'm talking about but there's that stuff too there is a lot of that stuff as well uh but yes the love death and robots is probably the closest thing that this generation of of young adults uh will have to that heavy metal experience from 1981 uh, so there you go. And none of it has Captain Stern yet. Yet. And that's uh, why I think that people are going to come back to this. Yeah, maybe. All right. Uh, that is where we're going to wrap it up for this issue. Thank you so much, everybody, for checking us out this week. If you found value in this show, if you enjoyed it, if you got a laugh, if milk shot out your nose when someone said boom, chicka, wow, wow, or shaboom, booms or whatever, uh, we would love for you to join us over on our Patreon page where you can find even more uh, uh, <laughs> innuendos about sex, including the Major Spoilers in podcast pre-show. Yes, uh, you can find out more. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Next week, we're going to switch things up because uh, Rand is not going to be joining us 
uh, next week. And we were going to talk about Black Adam because apparently uh, when I built this thing uh, a year ago, Black Adam was supposed to come out next week, but or actually this week. But that's been pushed off to uh, October. So instead, we're going to go back and look at He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, something we didn't get to do last year, but we'll get to do it next week, question mark. You'll have to tune in and find out why, because we know that you love comics, and we do too. Take care. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven Rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.